Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the word, the word that you give us in this book, these scriptures, the word that you gave us in Jesus Christ, your son and our savior to be light, the light and the life of human beings everywhere. Lord, just help us just to walk in the light of Jesus Christ, illuminate our hearts, our eyes to see and perceive and to hear and to experience the things with Jesus's eyes that you want us to experience in our lives, in our communication with you, our, our prayer life, just our, our living on this earth, God. And I just pray, God, that you will seal your scriptures and especially John chapter 1 in our hearts, Lord, so that we can grow more and more like Christ each and every day. And, and Lord, I just pray that you will uh, work through me in, in, in the way that you want to work through me. May my words be your words here today. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated and good morning. It is nice to, to be with you. I love this first Sunday after Christmas. Actually, it gets to be my service because Father Jose always takes vacation the Sunday after Christmas. And we have the same reading every Sunday. So this is like the only one since I'm not an every week preacher. And, you know, it's at intermediate times. You know, maybe in summertime, Father Jose tends to take vacation. You know, maybe we get some repetition. But this one, year after year after year, it's John 1. So I hope you don't pull out, you know, what I preached on in previous years so I don't get exposed. No, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I did look at that. It's amazing how different this, or this sermon wasn't very much like what I preached last year. So, and I follow a, a tradition, and, and, but I can't even come close, you know, to carrying the mantle, the previous assistant, uh, the assisting priest, a much quieter mellower, younger priest named Father Charles Thomas Myers. <laughs> you know, he was able to do this, you know, before. So, I don't know, I could only pray and, you know, maybe somebody will there just pray that Father Charles will come over me and <laughs> will just carry you guys away. And it'll be like, the next thing you know, the sermon's over. So, but I guess I will we'll stop with that, get the humor out of the way, because uh, I don't think there was any other, anything else humorous in my sermon the rest of the way at the early service. So I want to ask, um, where do you find light and life in your life? Entertainment, material things, your job, you know, success, um, your, you know, uh, athletic ability, you know, you name it. You know, maybe it's, uh, actually, I'll take that back. I am going to have one more bit of humor, but I just about, I'm sorry this is small, but I left the bigger thing at home. This is, as most of you know, Green Bay Packers. I certainly this year can't find light in them, thankfully. Uh, in about two more hours, their season will be over. So, and if that was bad enough, some people are picking the Chicago Bears. They're arch rivals, maybe even to win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, and not going to find light in life there. But, but seriously, we know that's not the, where we really find, you know, true light and life. And for a number of you, there was a song who, who 
you know, can remember this back in 1977. There was a number one hit song for 10 consecutive weeks. It was one of the biggest songs of the 1970s, and it was called You Light Up My Life. Pat Boone's daughter, Debbie, recorded that song. And yes, there was a movie about it, and it was certainly one lover, you know, saying that to another. But Debbie Boone said that she sang that song about her devotion to God. And the Apostle John would agree that Jesus Christ is the light that enlightens every person. And Deacon Diane just read that. And let me go back. I'm going to be exclusively in John chapter 1. And John begins his gospel by going back to or even before the beginning of the world when God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to reread verses 1 to 3. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Well, John starts right off. There's no uh, you know, birth of Jesus in his gospel. He goes right off you know, to his main point, and really as big a point of the New Testament, and that was that Jesus was God. And John doesn't use the name Jesus Christ until the 17th verse of the first chapter. He starts by calling him the Word. And he does this, that word in Greek is logos, and it had significant meaning to the Greeks. They viewed the logos as the principle of reason or order in the world. And in Hebrew thought, God spoke the Word. And the world came into existence. And he used the same exact, John used the same prepositional phrase to start his gospel in the beginning as Genesis chapter 1 when God created the heavens and the earth. But John isn't, that's not, he's not as interested in the Greek and the Hebrew thought of that, but it would certainly get people's attention. His message was that the word is the person, Jesus Christ. And this word is God. But this word is a person distinct from God the Father. And that's why he says, the word was with God. So there are two persons present in the beginning. And John also says that the word fully participated with God in creating the world. We don't read in the Old Testament, Jesus' name is not mentioned. There's a Messiah that is, you know... Um, prophesied, but the name Jesus is not there. And John wants to leave. He begins by leaving no doubt that Jesus was more than a good, perfect, sinless man. He was God. And then in verse 4 and 5, John moves to the first century A.D. John wrote this gospel near the end of the first century A.D. He was one of the 12 apostles, disciples of Jesus, and he states in verse 4, in him, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of men. And so he's, of course we know when we have life, there's physical life. We're physical beings right here, our bodies. The world around us is a very physical place. This building that we're in, it's a physical piece of our, of a physical place. But John is speaking here of the inner spiritual life. And the Word received His divine life from God, and the Word makes available to humans true spiritual life with the Word, 
and with God. And in the Word, people find the greatest gift in the world, a spiritual, life-giving relationship with God. So as I I say that, I ask myself and and ask you, how has Jesus changed your life? Um, I've maybe spent half my life really without Jesus, um, I may have gone to church at, at different times, but I, I didn't. You know, I just, I'd go to church, that would be kind of about it. The only Bible I would read or hear would be when I would be in church. Yeah, I said a few prayers, I said some prayers at night, but that was kind of the extent of it. And my life is, there. I have so much more peace and joy. I may not have as much, I may have done more things. I was younger, for one, could do that, but... I probably, I took part in much more entertainment, but I was not, I was not filled. And I knew that. There would be times I'd come home after going out, and of course, um, you know, fortunately after, I mean, I drank, but fortunately it wasn't too excess, you know, too many times after the age of 24, and I, and I survived. But, but after finding Christ going to New York City, um, I started, you know, God started changing things, and it's been a gradual thing, and, and that's, for me, has been real true life. Not that I wasn't living before, but was living life in a, in a greater way, and, you know, continue to do that, even though this body is deteriorating, and as you've seen, I'm kind of limping pretty bad, you know, right now, but, you know, these bodies waste away, but we have a spiritual life our spiritual being doesn't and that is something that should grow and really is the thing that lasts forever and that's what the word you know gives us and John says that this life in the word is the light of men and my heart and eyes have been enlightened by the word after giving my life to Jesus And that light is the light of men, John says, because it enables people to see God and to see God at work in the world. And we see God, you know, through the world that he created. We see God through his word, Jesus, the Son of God. Similarly, light has both physical and spiritual qualities. The sun and the day, you know, we have light. Um, we have, you know, lamps, lights on in here, electricity that powers this, but we, don't, we could probably get by without it in here during the day. We definitely need it at night. So there's that physical light in our eyes. You know, we see things. It's a, a physical thing, and I better not go any further. I have an optometrist in here who will kind of correct me if I'm, you know, wrong there. But, um, but also, I mean, I don't know how this all, this all works, but our, our, our mind does. But... There's also, you know, we see things, you know, with spiritual eyes as well. And that's what John is saying, that this divine word is the true godly light that illuminates the spirit and the soul of human beings. The word helps us to see things from God's perspective. That's why the word is the true light who gives light to everyone. And this true light shines in the darkness because we know, we just look around in our world. We look, there's dark places in my heart, in all of our hearts. There's definitely darkness along with the light in the world that we live. What is it? 
What percentage of the world lives in extreme poverty? You know, we're very blessed in this country, but we still, we have, we have homeless persons. We have, you know, sickness, disease. We have, we have wars. You know, we have, you could just, you know, uh, go on. And, um, you know, our government isn't always the place of light. You know, right now they're, they're closed, the federal government, in, in certain, you know, places. And uh, this one's for free, but uh, there was one commentator talked about it. You know, there's like, and I know there's more at work than $5 billion or $2 billion, whatever, that President Trump wants for the wall or for border security. Well, these legislators and the president are going to spend more than that on wasted money paid to employees for not working, you know, once this thing is settled. You know, so in that aspect, but I know there's much, you know, deeper things. We, we don't look, you know, to man alone for light. God is the one. Jesus, the word, is the one that, that, that brings the true light. And it's really, and John says that this darkness cannot put out the light and does not understand its meaning and does not accept the light. And, as, and, and that's why we, we see in, in, in China or in countries around the world, China being one, where you were, there was only maybe some state churches, but Christians could get in some real trouble for, for decades. But the gospel has grown in China in spite of it. One great example that the darkness will not put out the light. And, and as, you know, some of our religious freedoms seem to be, you know, the religion in the public square seems to be curtailed, that's not going to extinguish the light. And we have as much freedom to worship here as in any country in the world. And I'm going to skip over, you know, John the Baptist. You know, I, I kind of say he's kind of like a commercial break in here. You know, when, when you look at it, you know, what's, uh, what's he here? But he's a big part of, of chapter 1. Um, actually, I'm not going to really totally skip him, but John wants to just point out, and maybe it's because, you know, this guy made a great buzz, and he was the one, he was the messenger, he was the one preparing the way for the word, for Jesus, the light, and John just wants his readers to know, and wants us to know that John was not the light, but he was sent ahead to proclaim the true light that was coming into the world, so that people might come to believe in the light, and as I look at this passage, maybe it's there as a reminder to us. We need to proclaim and to share the light that is Jesus Christ with others. So in returning to John's message in verse 9, John says that the true light that gives light to every person was coming in to the world. And God certainly gives light to human beings by giving us reason, intelligence, the ability to discern between right and wrong. But John is speaking of light as the true and ultimate self-disclosure of God to humans. God, in the Old Testament, he could not be seen. There was his cloud around you know, the tabernacle and, and Moses would go up with him to the mountains, but man could not look upon God. And so we didn't totally get everything. So God... And this was incredible. There's no other God that would associate, that would, 
put themselves into fully into the body of a human being with the limitations. But God did that because what is the best way for us to see God but to see him in the flesh as we are and for him to live amongst us. But sadly, John says that unfortunately most people, the world, he describes him, did not recognize that the light was the Messiah, Son of God. John says he came to his own people, the Jews, but they did not receive him. They didn't accept him. The Jewish religious leaders and most people, they rejected him. But John says some individuals did accept the divine word, and believed in his name. And for those who believed in his name, God gave them the authority, he gave them the right to become children of God. Yes, in one sense, God is the father of all. And we may say, yes, we're all God's children. Well, the Greek has two different words for children. And, but yes, while that's true, that part of it, yes, we're his physical children, but that's not what John is speaking about, because that doesn't make us spiritual children. John says here, receiving and believing in the word sent by God is how we become children of God. And is there anything greater? There's no greater father, the father who will never leave you or forsake you. The word has made it possible for all of us to be children of God and to believe in the name of Jesus, the name of the Word, is to place one's faith into Him, in Him, the Word. And John uses these, these words who were, you know, that He gave the right to become children of God in verse 13 to those who believe in His name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And what John is, is saying that, um, being born into the family of God, a child of God, is very different from physical birth into a human family. In physical birth, the man and woman play a significant role. But as far as our spiritual birth, a person being born of God, God is the one who initiates the process. And that's why, so there is that, but then God also leaves it up to each and every one of us. He doesn't force anyone, because if he did, that really wouldn't be real true worship. It wouldn't be true love. God leaves it up to each person whether to receive his son Jesus. And the risen Lord Jesus Christ says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And that handle for that door for the door to our hearts to open it for Jesus is on our side. We're the one who has to open it. We open it for the first time. And, but then after that, we keep saying yes to God. That doesn't mean, you know, yes, we'll be children of God. We, we follow Jesus. But to grow in that life and light of Jesus, we just, we need to keep saying yes because we've got darkness around us. We've got what this mind, what this will wants to do versus what God wants us to do. And God wants to transform our hearts because that's what's best for us, both now and for eternity after we leave 
this earth, which is a much longer time than this 50, 70, maybe 90, 100 years that we live on this earth. And then as we get to verse 14, that's where John arrives at the most significant event in human history. He builds up to this when he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In this, it's where John says, yes, he's God, and he's the true light and life, but he also took on a human body and everything that is human. He was both God and man. He was the only one. He was the only begotten of the Father. He's unique and a one-of-a-kind human being. But just because he took on a human body doesn't mean he's any less God. And then in those words, John says that the word lived, settled, took up residence among us. Eugene Peterson in his message Bible says the word pitched his tent among us. And that word can, that dwell, can have that meaning and that pitching the tent is reminiscent of the Old Testament. While Israel was wandering in the wilderness after being delivered by God from the Egyptians at the Red Sea. Because God's presence was among his people Israel in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting that they would carry around. But all they could see, they knew God was there and they would especially know he was there when he put up his cloud around it so they knew they had the presence of God there. But Jesus just comes to us in just a new and incredible way. And we're left with Jesus today through his Holy Spirit. Word, which is great word by John, because that's what we have. We have this word of God, the scriptures. No matter, you know, a Bible that's, you know, not too big, or you've got Father Jose's big Bible that's, what, about that thick or something that, you, you know, I get a backache trying to, you know, move it. But whatever. But also that word can be sealed in our hearts because that's actually how a lot of the ancients, before we had the scriptures, it was verbally. I mean, before we had the, the written word, it was just verbally. Um, you know, the printing press is what you know, allowed this to go out to everyone. And then we have verse 16. So we have the blessedness of, of Jesus, the word, lighting up our lives. But that's the initial great grace that God gives us when we come to believe in Jesus, the word. But, but God has more great blessings he wants. And that's why John says, we have all received grace upon grace, or grace after grace. God is so generous to his children because he'll keep pouring out his grace and blessing upon us. And that blessing is his continued revelation to us of himself, that relationship that knows no bounds. It's I mean, God, you know, there's, a, there's this give and take. I mean, there's this pull. God is pulling at our hearts. He wants us to experience more and more of him. But we have to do our part. And the greatest blessings that he gives are spiritual blessings. Because as many of us in here know, this physical body was a whole lot better 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Or maybe he's not very good at all. But the spiritual, our soul, lives forever and that 
you know, we see famous actors, athletes. Some of them, they may be, there's some, you know, there's all walks. Some are very happy. Some, you know, they, they follow Christ. But there are some who are as unhappy as can be. And they seem to have everything. You know, illustrating that it's really, what really matters are the spiritual blessings that God gives us. And that's more and more intimate knowledge of Christ and our relationship with Christ and our relationship with others. Because Jesus, the two great commandments are the, one of the great rule for life that Jesus gave us and sums up all of God's commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not until we get to verse 17, the end of our passage, that John finally names the word as Jesus Christ. And he says that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law that God gave through Moses back in the Old Testament, and he brought us grace and truth that the law could not bring us. God's grace, because Jesus was the one, the person whom God used to forgive our sins. The Old Testament sacrifices could only do it and it just had to be kept giving because we keep sinning. But then also, Jesus brought the truth by revealing God the Father, whom John says no one has ever seen. And he keeps revealing himself to this day through his Holy Spirit, through the Word, through these scriptures. So as we know and we, we sing about it, some of our Christmas hymns say, Jesus Christ, the Son, is the true life and light of humankind that came into the world 2,000 years ago to change human hearts forever. Yes, his, God has come to us and he's with us. There's one of our songs, Emmanuel, God with us. And this God with us, for this, we should sing hallelujah, praise God for all the great things he has done in and through his son Jesus Christ at Christmas time and forever.